Welcome inside episode one of Lay the Juice. I'm your host, Sam Maxwell. You can follow me on Twitter at smaxwell713. We've joined the Believe Podcast Network, but we still have this same co-host, Darren Sai. How are you doing this evening, Darren? Sam, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. We uh, had a huge win tonight for the Northwood Timberwolves. That's great to hear. As always, hope that the Timberwolves are doing well and that you've uh, kind of turned around your season and you're having some rough stretches, but obviously it's a very competitive league. You guys are in there down in Orange County. Uh, now, uh, to reiterate what I said earlier uh, to our listeners, we've joined the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V, Believe Podcast Network. That's the number one podcast network in Los Angeles. There are 50 podcasts growing every single day, and it's on all different topics. There's three sports gambling, uh, different podcasts. There's team-specific podcasts, UCLA, LMU, USC, various other teams around the LA area. There's a bachelor recap, and there's really everything in between. There's something out there. For everyone, this is going to give our listeners there and a lot of better content, better access, uh, and we're excited to be here. We are definitely excited to join such an impressive network. Absolutely, and if you do enjoy this show at any time, please hit that subscribe button. If you're listening now, pull over to the side of the road, pause where you're doing your desk, give us a subscribe, and you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeart or wherever you prefer to get your podcast from. If you do enjoy this, it would help us out tremendously to give us a review and rate us five stars. If you don't enjoy us, you can email Darren or I privately and give us your private feedback. Uh, and you can find us, of course, at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. Once again, my Twitter handle is at smaxwell713. This is Sam Maxwell. We're here to talk college hoops. We're in the middle of, obviously, the best stretch of the year with the tournament. Darren, what are your thoughts so far in the tournament? I think there have been a lot of really fun matchups. Um, kind of sad there were no major upsets. Uh, with the upsets that have happened, I think those were kind of predictable. But I'm also not too surprised. I'm also not that impressed with Duke or Gonzaga. But I am impressed with Auburn and Purdue. Even specifically, we're recording this just, just to give it to everyone a little bit of context, about 10 30 Pacific time, excuse me, on Thursday evenings, we saw the first round or the first day, excuse me, of the Sweet 16. And, and it was some excellent games. I mean, as you mentioned, Purdue, uh, that, that Purdue-Tennessee game ha- has to be the, the game of the year so far. We'll talk about all the other ones last weekend with UCF and Duke. Um, but, the you know, I think it was the second overtime game uh, of this tournament. That first weekend, obviously, we saw chalk. We saw all 16 favorites, betting favorites, win the games outright last weekend. Uh, which didn't make for a lot of you know exciting buzzer beaters or, or Cinderellas or anything like that. It's the first time I can remember uh, in many years where we didn't have uh, really any true Cinderellas advance. Um, obviously, Oregon, who just lost this evening uh, as a 12 seed, was the only double-digit seed to make it this far, but they were a top 15 team. They finished top 25 in Ken Palm, so I don't really call them necessarily a Cinderella. Obviously, they're, they're Nike's university, so they can never truly be a Cinderella. Now, just a brief explanation to our audience of kind of what we're going to be covering. We're going to dive deep today, obviously, into college basketball. We're going to cover all kinds of different sports, uh, NBA, WNBA, baseball. When we get to the fall, we're going to definitely dive deep into college football, NFL. Uh, But we're going to be a little bit different than the two other sports gambling podcasts, The Sharp Edge and The Opening Line, both tremendous podcasts as well. I highly recommend checking them out as well if you're interested in beating the book and making a little bit of extra money. We're going to go on top of our picks a little bit further into fantasy player props, and kind of uh, a little bit of a different angle uh, than some of these other podcasts are Don't forget about. about your favorite, team totals. We love the team of course, totals. T- team totals, very much on brand to take the team total unders 
the game unders, uh, as as Darren will kind of talk about a little bit further. That that's kind of the on brand move uh, for my betting because I, I like taking kind of contrarian approaches and seeing kind of what values are there. And this time of year, there's a lot of public money in the college basketball space. You have a lot of people interested in the tournament. You have a lot of people in Vegas for the weekend or whatever betting. And so it's driving these team totals, these overs, a little higher than I think they necessarily should be. So there's always going to be a little bit of value in taking some contrarian pray, uh, plays. Excuse me. Um, first, before we kind of dive into tonight's recaps, Darren, I want to talk about that UCF-Duke game. Obviously, that was probably the game of the first weekend of the tournament. Uh, as I'm sure everyone knows now, Duke squeaked out a win. They probably, dare I should say, uh, have lost that game. They probably deserved to lose that game. UCF um, you know, had, had a four-point lead with an alley-oop attempt with about a minute and a half to go. Uh, UCF had a lead under 10 seconds to go as well before that and one for Zion Williamson. They missed the free throw. They got it back. I mean, it was just a, a crazy end to that game. Uh, and it's funny <laughs> that we talk about Duke kind of being, you know, the elite college basketball program. Uh, I saw a tweet. I forget who it was. So I can give them credit out there. But it's crazy that a small school, Duke, the 6,000 enrollment, beat the behemoth UCF squad with 56,000 enrollment. I think that's the biggest school in the entire country. So I thought that was a little bit funny, a little that bit ironic. really, really funny. That's a great stat. Um, yeah, I think <laughs> It's that... funny because I just thought it was funny that, you know, obviously Duke is the power of all powerhouses, maybe them in Kentucky, North Carolina. Um, and, and the size of the school, if you, if you truly just use enrollment, uh, then UCF in, you know, Arizona state, Ohio state, these schools should be absolute powerhouses and a small little school like Duke maybe wouldn't have such an, an iconic basketball franchise, but that's not how it works. Obviously the enrollment doesn't necessarily make the programs. Um, any other thoughts Darren on last weekend before we move on to recapping this evening, uh, to go along with that, the crazy ending to the UCF game. If they just, if UCF sticks to the fundamentals, this might just be me as a, a coach, like a, I'm a volleyball coach. Some of our listeners know, if they just stick to the fundamentals at the end, instead of going for a high flying, hard alley oop excitement play, and they go for an easy layup, a fast break layup, maybe they get you know two free throws, maybe they ice the game there, and if they box out at the end. I know Taco's out. He fouled well, out. Let's let's be honest. That was a definite push off. I think to to, to collect that offensive rebound. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a shame that Duke never gets any lucky breaks, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it was just <laughs> tough. It was just tough to see. And then at the end, I mean, BJ's shot could have gone in. Taylor's shot, and then uh, Dawkins' follow up shot could have gone in too. Those were both in and out. The follow through hit the inside the rim at least twice, maybe even three times. I, I thought both times it was going to be in. I, I was heartbroken. You know, as someone who's a Badger fan, whose team lost to Duke back in 2015, I definitely was rooting against Duke. And, and really just as a college basketball fan, uh, you like to see those underdogs go and, and get collect some of those wins. But a loss, Duke moves on. And, you know, this is the kind of almost loss that you look back on that basically every championship team has. Uh, I think we very might be looking back on this in three weeks from now and say, wow, it's crazy that Duke won another championship when they probably could have lost in the second round. So uh, a tremendous opening weekend for the favorites. Uh, but, you know, that should make for some really great plays this weekend as well, which we saw this evening. Any thoughts from some of the games when you're watching this evening, Darren? And this is, again, we're recording Thursday evening at 1030 Pacific time. The Oregon-Virginia game just wrapped up about a half hour ago. Yeah, so my, my gut feelings i'm not looking at any stats not looking at anything i liked uh florida state i liked purdue i liked texas tech and i liked i leaned sorry i leaned um texas tech and i leaned oregon after i did some research i ended up saying i liked the uh seminoles 
uh, liked Purdue. That was actually my best bet of the week. And then I leaned to Michigan. And then I liked the under in that game. Uh, and then I stayed with my lean on Oregon. So after I did some research, I was completely wrong about Texas Tech, Michigan. <laughs> I could not have predicted that game at all. I That was insane. Uh, the Purdue game, uh, you know, that was my best bet. But it did take them overtime and some crazy threes from, uh, what, Klein? Yeah, Klein was absolutely on fire. So did you see that Kobe step back that he had, basically? To, to, tie, to take it to overtime. To tie, yeah, that, that was game insane. Was 30 seconds left. I mean, he telegraphed a shot. You knew 100% he was going to take that three. I don't know what the defender was doing, kind of baiting him almost to drive in. Um, but really, just credit where credit's due. I mean, Purdue nearly blew that game. Most teams kind of fold in that last minute there against a very senior-laden team with Tennessee. Matt Painter, congrats to him. First time ever advancing past the Sweet 16. Um, and to go into overtime after blowing such a massive lead, they were up uh, by lead as much as 20 points in that game. I'm not sure exactly what the total was. Um, I, I personally didn't think that, that they were going to come back and win that game once that went to overtime. Uh, obviously, Carson Edwards missed that free throw, but was able to put it in to tie it. He was tremendous as well. Um, an excellent team win for Purdue. I mean, they almost break 100 points. And granted, that went to overtime, but right. they got absolutely lights out. And, and I think that truly was the tournament, uh, the game of the tournament for me so far. Um, to recap my picks from, from tonight, I had Gonzaga minus 7.5. That hit. Uh, I could not make up my mind in Tennessee Purdue, so I actually stayed away from that game. I took Texas Tech money lines. That hit as well. And I took Oregon plus the point, 8.5. That hit as well. I didn't do well on my team totals, however. Um, I took the over for Gonzaga. That didn't even come anywhere close to hitting that. I think that was at 147. That finishes a 72-58 to 58 win. I also took what I thought was a very, very low and attainable over for Oregon, Virginia. I took that at 119. That didn't even sniff going over, even though I thought the game would be close. Both these teams could hit free throws. There's going to be you know some three-pointers, but so good that, that that didn't make it anywhere close. Um, I did get Oregon uh, the first half. Uh, actually, they, they lost the first half, but I got Texas Tech, Michigan. That hit that first half under hit by about 20 points uh, in, in what was one of the best defensive games I think I've ever seen. So yeah. if you liked defense, these two games in the later half, Texas Tech, Michigan, Oregon, Virginia – uh, had had some of the best defense you've, you'll ever see. The you know, what was crazy about the Oregon Virginia game is when I was watching it, it didn't feel like the shot clock was coming up, and then you see them, you know, with five seconds left, scrambling, and you go, "Whoa!" Like they're because these teams are moving the ball. They are moving the ball, but they're not really moving and getting it into a scoring position. I agree. I mean, look, credit the defenses. The, these defenses are just incredible, and you're seeing a common theme for most of these teams that make it they're, they're usually a balanced team and they have one elite thing that they do uh, for both Oregon Virginia and obviously Texas Tech and, and Michigan as well uh, they're calling cards for defense um, but as you saw with with Virginia they made shots when it counted and of course Texas Tech uh, was able to get to 63 and, and, and they're a tremendous defensive team as well so they'll set up some really interesting games on Saturday I don't think we're gonna have time to break those downs but uh, let's move right along here to Friday so again we're recording 10 30 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday evening. This is Sam Maxwell, S. Maxwell 713 on Twitter. This is Lady the Juice, episode one, joined by Darren Sauer. We're going to break down all four games tomorrow on Friday. First game, of course, is LSU against Michigan State. That's going to be at 7.09 p.m. Eastern time, Capital One Arena in our nation's capital in Washington, D.C. Darren, give me your thoughts on this game. I am leaning towards Michigan State. They've been great against the spread all year. They're the number nine defense, number four offense, uh, adjusted defense, adjusted offense, of course. And I think they match up really well against LSU. I think that they got Winston and they got Ward, who are, you know, great 
matchups and should be the better players against Waters and Reed for LSU. So I'm leaning towards Michigan State. We're going to make that back-to-back picks for Michigan State. I, this is actually one of my strongest bets of the week. I won't quite make it a best bet, um, but I'm really confident in this Michigan State team. They are playing tremendously well. They're well-coached. They have great shooting. They have ball handlers. They don't turn the ball over. They have, obviously, great coaching in, in Tommy Izzo. And, and really what I expect is for LSU to kind of come back down to earth. They don't have their head coach Will Wade. They're facing all kinds of potential off-the-court issues. They don't know if Will Wade will ever be back. Um, I think they've overachieved really throughout the year. They're one of the luckiest teams in the country. They're, they're doing really well in overtime games, really well in close games. Uh, and, you know, it, even in this tournament here, Darren, I mean, if you look at it, they played Yale. They only won by five. I mean, Yale is a, an elite three-point shooting team. They were absolutely ice cold in that game. If they would have hit a, even, uh, you know, a normal amount of threes for them in that game, I think they win that game. Then oh, definitely, you play, definitely you Yale wins that game. Uh, absolutely. And that, that was only a five-point game. Again, that, you know, I think uh, Yale was about an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I forget exactly what it was, but Yale covered in that game. Uh, then, of course, you play Maryland last Saturday. Now, Maryland is a talented team. They have a great front court. I don't think Mark Turgeon is a particularly strong coach. Uh, so, you know, kind of matched up well for LSU there. Um, you have a strong lead, and Maryland comes screaming back. They almost take that game. You know, obviously, LSU, with that last second shot, is able to prevail. So now I think, you know, their luck is going to run out. They're playing an absolute juggernaut. Neither one of these teams really has a geographical edge. Um, but if you look at Michigan State, I mean, they do a lot of things extremely well. Uh, and it can just to give a little bit of context. But Ken Palm actually has this as an eight-point win for Michigan State, 80-72. to 72. Michigan State, after surviving a, a little bit of a scare in their opening round against Bradley, actually pummeled a Big Ten Conference rival, Minnesota, 70-50 to 50 in the round of 32. Now, I just don't know how LSU, Darren, is going to score against this terrific Michigan State defense, as you mentioned. Um, you know, they're, they're one of the top adjusted defenses in the entire country. And they do a very good job up and down uh, in terms of their defense. Um, they're, you know, they're number two against two-point percentages. They're, they're number 34 in the league, uh, in the country, against three-point percentage. They don't foul. Um, they don't necessarily force a lot of turnovers, and they actually turn the ball over quite a bit themselves. That's both going to favor um, LSU, but they're going to get a lot of extra possessions in terms of offensive rebound. They are 24th in the country in offensive rebound percentages. LSU, Darren, is 266 of the 350 Division One teams in allowing offensive rebounds. So I think there's going to be a lot of additional yeah. possessions for Michigan State. Um, and, you know, in turnovers as well, um, you know, if you look, Matt McQuaid is hitting everything. I, I think he's one of the most efficient shooters in the country. Cassius Winston is a leader. Uh, he's going to be – I think this, this Michigan State team is just too well, Not much. to mention, Cassius Winston is an elite defender, an absolutely elite He defender. is. He, he's a great all-around player. I think he's actually going to be – a pretty good pro, even though he's not necessarily seen as that kind of pro prospect. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and put a like here on Michigan State. I actually got them at minus five and a half, and I'd probably make that my better of the week. I think we are going to win by about six to eight. I can see LSU making this a little bit closer than, than we'd like it to think, um, but I can also see Michigan State just going out there and blowing the doors off of LSU. So I'm going to go ahead and like Michigan State minus six. Do you have any other final thoughts on this game? Yeah, let's move on. Auburn, UNC. All right, Auburn-UNC is the second game of tomorrow evening. We have a 7:29 tip from the Sprint Center in Kansas City, Missouri. Go ahead and start with you, Darren. They, uh, North Carolina is favored by five, and we have this as a 164.5. Yeah, I have uh, UNC to win the whole thing, so I'm leaning their way, even though I could see Auburn just get absolutely scorching hot and just splash 50% from three and upset. Um, I, you know, I could see that happen, but I don't believe it will i think unc is a pretty good transition defense team and that's where auburn 
really thrives in transition. I also think that this game should be a really fun game to watch. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think there's going to be a lot of pace. But, you know, a jump shooting team like Auburn lie a lot on their three-point shooting, especially in transition. If they go cold, UNC could win this game by 20. This game is completely over if, if Auburn goes cold. I mean, the strength of Auburn is they're going to live and die by their three. I mean, they're 16th in the country in three-point percentage. Uh, they also get um, – 43.5% of their offense off the three-pointers, which is seventh in the country. So, you know, sorry to cut you off there, but if they're not hitting their threes, this game is over probably by the the under-12 TV timeout in the first half. Well, that's the thing about three-point shooting teams, though. If they're not hitting in the first half and they start hitting in the second half, they might make a run. They might come back. But the thing is, UNC is a really good transition defense team, in my opinion. And their offense is elite as well. So Auburn's going to have to keep up scoring wise. And I really only see them doing that by hitting threes. So I'd much uh, rather take UNC here. Uh, I'm leaning. hundred uh, percent. This is a fire the cannons game. I mean, we have a, a total of 164 and a half. I've seen as high as 165. Uh, you know, North Carolina has combined for 169 points in their first two tournament games. And I don't even think we've seen the best from this Tar Heel offense. I mean, this Tar Heel offense can absolutely light up the scoreboard. Their pace is tremendously fast. Uh, they have the, 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 the fifth they have the fifth fastest pace in the entire country. They have NBA players up and down the court. Um, and, and, you know, you like them to win the championship. I, th- I have them actually in the Final Four uh, or, or advancing the, the championship game. I have them splitting the difference in two different brackets. Um, but this is a great team. They're a balanced team. Uh, I do like the under in this game, even though I say that's a fire of the Kansas game. Um, you know, these games are called a little bit tighter when they get to this point. We have a little bit more time to prep. Um, there's always going to be a little bit of nerves. And, you know, we're not going to see a lot of free throws unless this game is in that four to seven range. And I actually think this is going to be a blowout North Carolina win. Similarly to I thought, to I think that LSU is going to kind of come, regress to me and kind of come back down to earth. I think the exact same thing, Darren, about these Auburn Tigers. I mean, they were extremely lucky to win that first game against New Mexico State. Um, and, you know, I wasn't particularly impressed by them in their second game either. They, they got lucky to kind of run into what I think is a, an extremely overrated Kansas team. Uh, they were lucky, very, very fortunate to get them as a four seed. Um, and in North Carolina, no one's going to say you're fortunate enough, obviously, to get them. Um, but I, I do like the under in this game. I think that's that's way too high, even though kind of Bruce Pearl came out and said, you know, essentially suggested to take the over. Um, but you know, North Carolina's going to have a massive, massive advantage in offensive rebounds. I think it makes one hundred percent sense though that you like the under here because if you think Auburn, well, if you think Auburn's not going to make that many shots. I mean, what to get 165, if if UNC scores 90, Auburn still has to score 75. That's, a, that's exactly right. So if you see this game being a blowout, there's really just no possible way that this is going to go over unless Carolina scores 100-plus points, which, you know, isn't impossible, but highly see that unlikely. As, highly unlikely. It's very unlikely. Yeah. That being said, when talking about can Carolina score 100, that was a great transition because Auburn defense, 224th in three-point defense, 214th in two-point defense, or 273rd in allowing free throws. Now, obviously, Auburn leads the entire country in forcing turnovers, but North Carolina has some tremendous ball handlers, Kobe White. Uh, they have some great athletes. They're not going to be able to – they're not going to just um, you know, melt out, I don't think, and turn the ball over. So this is actually going to be my best bet. I have Carolina advancing. I have them actually blowing this Auburn team out. I think there's – 
all kinds of advantages here. Now, very quickly, Auburn can make the reason, make me seem like a fool, as they've done many, many times before. Um, but, you know, this Auburn team can't just absolutely blitz this Carolina team. This Carolina team likes to play path, uh, fast. They're comfortable playing fast. They're going to score 80 to 85 points no matter what happens, I think. So Auburn would, would truly have to shoot about 50% from three points to even have a chance in this game. And I, I really just don't see them continuing this kind of uh, 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 hot shooting. But you know, they're certainly capable of doing it. Both these teams can hit free throws, so this does get close. We could see this get kind of pushed over, um, but I have Carolina advancing, and I have them advancing quite easily. Um, so that's going to be my best bet of this round, and I also am taking the under in this game. Any final thoughts for Tigers and Tar Heels? Nah, man, I'm just I'm bummed because North Carolina is my best bet. You can't just take my best bet like that. I mean, you you went first. I'm I'm giving you the the opening thoughts in each one, and you, you're welcome to say your best bet. And I think it's actually a good thing you. I just thought that we were going to save the best bet for the end. Okay, fair enough. Well, I take back that it was my best bet, and uh, and, and you can you. I don't want to steal your thunder. All right, you, fine, good. You can Thank certainly you. I appreciate that. Best bet. I appreciate that. You can Staying have in. you can have the under as your best bet. That's your on brand move. Okay. Very very much so. Staying in the ACC here, we're going to an all-ACC matchup. Virginia Tech taking on Duke. This one's in D.C. at the Capitol Arena. This one tips off at 9.39 Eastern time. Ken Palm has this as a 75-70 Duke win. Of course, the two teams met in conference play. Virginia Tech got that win. It was in Blacksburg, of course. That was a far, far different matchup without both Justin Robinson and Zion Williamson. And you're fixing this one, Derek. I'm just going chalk Ken Palm, man. Ken Palm says five. Well, I'm leaning Virginia Tech. I'm taking Ty Outlaw. How creative of you? No, I I actually didn't know that. Ken Palm, that was a good that was a good little tidbit from you. Uh, I actually just think that Virginia Tech's a little bit similar to UCF. They got Blackshear, who's you know an interior post defender, big guy, and they got some guys who can hit threes. That seems like a good formula to combat with uh, Duke, right? But obviously Blackshear's not the Taco man. He's not as big as Taco. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting because you know obviously the narrative. Going into that last game with UCF and Duke was that you know Zion Williamson's never facing anyone like Taco. Really, very few basketball players have ever faced anyone like Taco. There's not too many seven six players out there. And you know, he had a great game. You know, Zion was able to score, but he had to work really, really hard to get those looks. Um, it wasn't the same kind of physical dominance that we're we're used to seeing um, against players that try to defend Zion. Um, so these two teams, like I said, they met back in conference play. I believe that was February. Let me get the exact date. February 26th, that was a 77-72 Virginia Tech win. Of course, that was at home for Virginia Tech. We don't have Zion. That's probably worth five, six, seven points. We're taking advantage of home court, three to four points. That's about 11 or 12 points just right there. I think Justin Robinson's worth a couple points too. And, and the national media is not even really mentioning that he didn't play in that game either. So it's all about, well, Zion wasn't there. So obviously that Duke was not going to win that game. And Duke, as you remember, Darren, um, was not very successful without Zion. They, they, they still have a ton of talent. They have, obviously, a Hoffman coach and Coach K. I think he's kind of lost maybe a little bit of the emphasis in those side of it. Um, but Duke really, truly struggled without Zion. Um, but Duke, as you mentioned, 329th in the country in three-point percentage, just under 31%, 30.7 to be exact. Heard a great stat. I believe this is on uh, R.J. Bell's Dream Preview podcast. Since the three-point shot was implemented into college basketball, this is 1987. So we got about... 30 plus years of data. This is actually older than both of us, the three point shot. No team has ever made the final four. Forget about winning the championship, making the championship. Never even made the final four, Darren. 
with that kind of shooting percentage from beyond the arc, I mean, this Duke team is really going to have to get it done both inside and defensively, of course, in order to beat a Virginia Tech team that's a very, very good three-point shooting team. On the other side, this is a top 10 three-point shooting team. They're at about 40%. That's number nine in the country. They can absolutely light it up. And, you know, obviously they're able to come back similarly to how you mentioned the Auburn can come back. They're also able to build a massive lead uh, because they're three-point shooting. Another point uh, to go along with what you were saying is do you getting it done on defense. They score a lot of points, easy transition points, because they get a lot of steals and blocks. But Virginia Tech is a team that protects the ball very well. They really don't turn the ball over a lot. I think they only had seven turnovers in their last game. And if they're able yeah, it looks to... Like about, they're 101st in the country in turnovers per game. But obviously, without Justin Robinson, that, that affects that number a little. Right. Um, but if they can do that, I think that will help them a lot in this game, too. It's a tricky game because, you know, obviously, I, I think coming into this tournament, Duke was overhyped. Obviously, they were the number one public favorite since to win the championship since 2015. Kentucky, who, by the way, lost to University of Wisconsin, 38-1. I was there for that game. It was a lovely time. Um, but Duke was so overhyped, and in, in, in the public kind of drove up these numbers uh, a little bit too far. And we saw that uh, I think the UCF spread got up to about 13.5, which is just such an easy win if you're uh, a smart contrarian better. I almost feel like it's gone a little bit too far the other way, Darren. Maybe you can give me your thoughts on this. You know, everyone's recent memory, the recency bias had Duke uh, really escaping, really being fortunate to escape with that victory. I think most people thought they probably didn't deserve to win that game. And so we've seen the number decline very rapidly. Virginia Tech opened up, I believe it was at a nine-point underdog. It went as low as six and a half. I think it's settled about seven or seven and a half now. I pulled the trigger at seven and a half. I don't feel great about it. I think this Virginia Tech team is very, very good. Uh, but Duke is familiar with this team, which is a little bit different, obviously, than playing a uh, foe like UCF, which I've never seen before. So I have Duke advancing in this game, but I, I'm going to take Virginia Tech with the points. I think they have enough juice. Uh, and again, this podcast name is Lay the Juice. That was buried on brand there as well. I think Virginia Tech is enough. Their repertoire with Buzz Williams, they're going to come out firing. Uh, by the way, have you heard the rumors that Buzz Williams might be considering leaving to go to Texas A&M? Do you think that, or, or the tie-out law legal issues that he got caught uh, with marijuana, which which we'll get onto a different time. I think it's just ridiculous that that's still a thing. But those kind of things, you know, do you think that affects at all Virginia Tech, their psyche heading into probably the biggest game of all these kids' careers? Uh, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I think, I think that it affected them that they were bummed that he wasn't going to play, but then he passed that drug test, and now he's playing. It, it's the right move. Look, this is 2019. Marijuana is legal in, in dozens of states. I'm not sure exactly how many it is. Um, but regardless, I mean, come on. These college kids do a lot worse things out there. They're doing this for whatever reason. I don't want to see players not be able to play in what could be their biggest moment of their entire life uh, because of one simple mistake. Yeah. Obviously, there, there are other issues that, that are a much bigger deal, um, but I'm happy to see Tyler out playing. More of the story. I hope he goes for 40. I hope he just <laughs> That'd be goes off and they win. They beat Duke. Don't lay the juice I mean, on Duke. Be... Take the money line <laughs> underdog here. I'm not taking money line. I think Duke's a significantly more talented team. I do think Virginia Tech keeps this close, though. I'm going to take Virginia Tech, the Hokies, with the points. We both have a double lean there. I think leaned. I'm not sure if you did or not. I leaned on, I leaned on them. Tech. I didn't like them just because if Duke hits threes, then they're going to blow them out. So we're in agreement on the first three games, right? We both liked Michigan State. Uh, we both liked North Carolina. My, that was both of our best bets. And obviously we both 
are leaning Virginia Tech plus the points. Now, let's see if we get to disagreement here. We're moving on to our fourth and final matchup of Friday evening. This is going to be the final game of the Sweet 16. Houston taking on the Wildcats of Kentucky. We got some crazy, vicious animal in the Cougars versus the Wildcats here. We have a Houston program making their very first appearance in the Sweet 16. On the other side, we have, of course, one of the most storied programs in the history of college basketball, one of the most uh, well-known college coaches, and gone Calipari, Calvin Sampson, obviously no slash of his own. Now, we have this one, Kentucky as a three-point favorite. We have the over-under, 134.5. This one tips off just about 10 o'clock Eastern. This is going to be from the Sprint Center in Kansas City. Darren, hopefully we can get a little bit of disagreement on this one. Well, I'm actually going to pass on this game. I struggled a lot to try to hey. handicap this one. I think that it's going to be a really ugly, kind of gritty game. A lot of post-ups, a lot of fouls. Uh, the reason why I'm staying away is because I think this game is the way these teams play, especially Kentucky, I think they put a lot of pressure on the officiating. And I think officiating will have a big component to kind of how this game goes. So for that reason, I'm actually going to pass on the game. If I had to take a team, though, I would take Kentucky just because I think. So we're not going to let you pass. You're going to lean Kentucky here. Let's just say you're going to lean the money line. Yeah, I would take Kentucky money line. That's fair. I'll take them. I'll take Kentucky money line. That's fine. That's fair. All right. So we're actually going to disagree on this one. Uh, I have a little bit of a stronger thought here. Now, Coach Calipari, I don't think very many people out there think of him uh, as an elite in-game coach. He's probably the most elite we've ever seen in the history of the sport, um, but he's not really known as being a great coach. That being said, he is 11-3 in the Sweet 16, uh, and that's 11-3 both straight up and against the spread. So that's very, very impressive uh, for Coach Cal. As I mentioned, Houston making their very, very first Sweet 16 appearance. They almost did that last year uh, when they lost a heartbreaking buzzer beater to Michigan. Um, but this Cougar defense is for real. They're number one in the country in uh, field goal percentage allowed. They're also number one in three-point defense allowed. Um, this is going to be an absolute slugfest. So if anything, I'm going to take Houston with the points here. I really like that, actually. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to get a little greedy. I'm going to take Houston money line. I think they're going to knock out Kentucky. They match up extremely well. This Houston team is a very good defensive team, as I mentioned. They're number one against three-pointers. They're number five against two-pointers. They're number one against effective field goal percentages. They don't necessarily force turnovers, and they do foul a lot. That's the one area I think they can get a lot of trouble. Uh, Kentucky's number 14th in the country in, in free throws attempted, and they are you know about 75% as a team, which is very strong. Um, Houston is in the bottom 20% in allowing free throw attempts. So that's going to be really the key to the game. Additionally, obviously, Kentucky uh, has a great so, size. wait, hold on. You're agreeing with me that officiating will affect this game a lot, correct? You know, I'm going to go ahead and give the officials the benefit of the doubt. And I think actually the crowd potentially might be in favor of Houston as well. Um, of course, you know, when you go up against Kentucky, you go up against a Duke. There's always going to be a, a little bit of a factor. I think it's a subconscious thing. I don't think these officials are, are purposely throwing the game or anything like that. Um, but yes. I just you know, think Houston that is- the way Kentucky plays, they're going to be in the paint, bashing around in there, trying to get fouls. And you just said it yourself. Houston fouls a lot. Houston fouls a lot. Kentucky gets fouled a lot. Houston doesn't get fouled a lot. Kentucky doesn't foul a lot. So there's going to be, we're going to look at the end of this game, there's going to be a pretty large free throw discrepancy in this game. Um, But this Houston team defensively is good enough 
you know, they're not the best offensive team, but I think it's going to be one of those classic kind of slugfest game. I think it's going to be very, very similar to what we saw tonight in Texas Tech versus Michigan. And I think this Houston team is good enough to get it done. I really do. There's a reason why this is only a three-point spread. Houston was a very good team all year. They kind of uh, stumbled down the stretch, but uh, they're an elite team. They're an elite defensive team, and neither one of these teams I don't think is going to be able to light it up offensively. So really the key to the game for me comes down to the offensive glass. Is Houston able to get those rebounds? Because if they are, I really do think that they're a good enough team offensively to squeak out this win. If anything, I think it's going to be a very, very close game. I think you take the points. But I really like the under. I think this is going to be a classic slugfest. I see about a 60 to about 58 win, something like that, for Houston, which is going to easily cover the under by about six, seven points. So I think there's a lot of value in there. Um, that's going to be my second best bet of the week is that under, which is, again, very on brand for me. I got crushed today taking over, so I'm no longer doing that. So I'm going to go ahead and take Houston money line, but I'm really confident in the plus three, and then I'm very confidently taking their under as well. Uh, do you have any other final thoughts on this pass for you, Derek? Now you've talked me into uh, like Kentucky minus three. You've talked me so into We're four for four. We're together here. Maybe we should throw in a, a little chopper parlay. As no, the no, boys no, no, no. I, I like Kentucky. You've talked me into oh, liking oh, Kentucky oh. with all so your free throw stats. Because I was thinking already Kentucky is <laughs> going to get a lot of free throws. Houston will not. And it's going to be kind of low scoring. So those free throws are going to be huge. And I think that Kentucky's size is going to be uh, and physicality is going to be kind of a problem for Houston. Look, we haven't even talked about P.J. Washington. We don't think he's going to play. Um, Coach Calipari came out today and said he, he's probably not going to play. He was seen with an air cast earlier this week. If he plays, that's obviously going to drastically change this game and how we handicap it. And it also will change the spread as well. I think this will go up to about a five or a six-point favorite for Kentucky. If that's the case, I am hammering Houston. I'm going to make that my best bet because no matter what, P.J. Washington's not going to be 100%, even if he plays in this game. If anything, I don't think he's playing at all. Be a hindrance to this team. But yeah, let's go ahead and assume he's not going to play. Uh, Kentucky's got enough firepower, obviously, to, to still very easily win this game. But you know, it's not like Houston hasn't played you know big teams throughout the year. They're obviously in a, in a strong conference. I think American Conference is very good. Um, this Houston team beat Oregon, who we just saw. They beat LSU, who we've talked about recently. They have some tremendous wins up and down in the American Athletic Conference. If you know, if they had won the uh, AAC Conference Tournament, in that championship game against Cincinnati, we'd be talking about them as one of the hottest teams in the entire country. Oh, for sure. Like one loss uh, this entire calendar year. So uh, I think that's an underrated point. It's an underrated team as well. So uh, we're in disagreement finally for this game. I'm liking Houston and the under. They aren't going to take the Kentucky side here. Um, so let's move on to our, our best bets. We kind of both already spoiled it. Uh, if you haven't already given me some of your detailed thoughts about why you want to make North Carolina uh, your best bet, give them to me now. Actually, I lied. Michigan State was my best bet. Okay, there we go. So I didn't even have to ruin your your your, your juice up there. You, you got needlessly mad. I did. I got really fired up for no reason. Sorry about that. No worries. No worries. I really like Michigan State as well. You give me just kind of a, a, a high level from you know thirty thousand feet, kind of why you think Michigan State's. In- they have been amazing against the spread all year. They have an incredibly, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not talented. But just incredibly seasoned point guard in Winston. Leader, great. And they got Ward. So they match up really well against LSU. LSU hasn't been anything special. My other best bet was Purdue. But, you know, obviously uh, that already happened. Absolutely. And that's uh, it. That's yeah. all I got. <laughs> you can you can uh, take the victory lap there. I would have made my best bet probably Gonzaga minus 7.5. And, and they won that as well. So we're both one and so far in our best bets for our non-existent Thursday night podcast, or sorry, Wednesday night podcast. Hopefully, we'll be able to take the same victory lap 
uh, for our picks for tomorrow evening. So that was episode one of Lay the Juice. Darren, any final thoughts? Here? Are we doing the segment, What Annoys Us? Let's do that very, very quickly. What is annoying you right now, Darren? When you get when you get sick and then you get healthy and then two days later you get sick again and it's a different kind of sickness. Sounds like you're not taking enough vitamins. I take plenty of vitamins. I get plenty of sleep. I drink lots of water. <laughs> okay, those are you know the staples of keeping yourself healthy. Uh, hopefully you can stay healthy. I know you're going out of town this weekend, so we don't want to see you uh, have to recover. Keep yourself healthy. Uh, I'm just going to give you guys a little bit of background about what we do here. Um, you know, we kind of get annoyed very easily. Is that, is that fair to say? I mean, speak for yourself. I don't get annoyed easily at all. <laughs> all right. We're just verbalizing what everyone's thinking. Uh, and we want to, you know, have a little bit of fun with this podcast. It's all sports. It's all gambling all the time. And this is kind of our, our one kind of release in that. Um, the thing that's annoying me right now, I was at dinner with my dad. There was a big truck out front honking. Uh, you know, it's one of those loud uh, 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 kind of horns, not not like the normal horns. Um, and, and, you know, noise pollution is a real thing. There's a lot of people enjoying food outside in the patio. There might be people trying to sleep. Um, next time you think you need to honk on the horn, you know, only do it when it's absolutely necessary for you and the safety of you and your loved ones in your car. Uh, no one needs to have that that needless noise pollution. So that's my two cents there. That's what's annoying me right now. For Darren, it's getting sick after being sick. Did I get that right? Yeah, just after you get healthy a different sickness so it's kind of the the peaks and valleys of, of your health is what annoys correct <laughs> all right well that just about does it for us guys again if you enjoyed this show it would mean us uh, it mean a lot to us to subscribe give us five stars give us honest feedback even if it's bad we'll happily take it. we're going to read through every single comment that you guys give us and if you have any questions for the show, you can hit me at smaxwell713. We're going to read them on the air if we get some good ones. And again, this is now on the Believe Podcast Network. You can find us uh, at Believe Podcast on Twitter and Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. We'll be happy to take any questions on the Believe Podcast Twitter handle as well. For Darren Sai, I'm Sam Maxwell. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.